0: All right, you're listening to episode 13 of the Money Owners Podcast with me, Morgan Rochard. I am not going to do the intro today. Uh, yeah, let's just say this podcast is not investment advice and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you want more information about money owners, go to moneyowners.com. Otherwise, just keep listening here. What is happening? My owners, I'm super excited to be here. And I'm sorry, this episode is a little late. I have to tell you, the end of every quarter, so the beginning of the next quarter, which is first week of April, first week of July, first week of October, and then first week of January is always super busy for me because I do quarterly reporting with my clients and I check in with them to make sure that they're doing all of the things that we talk about on this podcast. And I do it in a much more personalized and I think less preachy way, but I can't help myself on this podcast. I just wanna, you know, give you all these nuggets and hope that they apply to you. So today we're going to talk about income. And I know I promised, um, I think it was in episode three or two, I can't even remember now. I can't believe we're at episode thirteen. Actually, that's crazy. Um, but I did promise you an episode on income, and actually, one of my colleagues had a really good idea today. He was telling me that if I want to be a speaker, I could just be a speaker by putting up stuff on YouTube, and that I should put my podcast up on YouTube. And I thought, what a fantastic idea! I'm going to do that for my podcast on episode thirteen. And then <laughs> I decided to take like a totally sick workout on my Peloton bike, like really knock the crap out of myself, and. Um, decided that I did not look like I was in good shape (laughs) to be on video. So maybe episode 14, I will grace y'all with my presence. But until then, you can just listen to my voice. And there's something kind of cool, I think, about podcast media because, like, usually you're listening to it with a headphone, and then I can, like, really get inside your brain and tell you everything that you need to know about income. So (laughs) I think you already know where I'm going with this one on income, but... I'm just gonna say it anyway. Your thoughts are the problem. Yes, I know, it's hard to believe. You think that the market is dictating how much income you should get because there's some sort of market rate out there that everyone gets as employees or business owners or anything else that it is. And there is definitely some truth to that for sure, but the rest of it is actually you just holding yourself back, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, or maybe that's good news, actually, if you really want to increase your income. So the first thing that I think people's misconceptions about income is, is that they can just show up, take their check, and everything's great. And that is just not how it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's not even really that way if you're a standard W-2 employee. So I know a lot of this podcast is geared toward towards small business owners and things that we do in these small business situations. But um, for the W-2 employees out there, I think that you'll probably find this to be true. Yes, like if you're working at some of these large companies, you just have a set salary and a bonus, and that's kind of all that they'll give you for, let's say, your specific job. But that doesn't mean there's not room to move up, right? Like your value... Is what they want. How much deli- how much value you can provide. So that's really what income is. And I think that sometimes we get caught up in this idea that somebody has to pay you something for something that you're doing, rather than like the value you're going to deliver. And this applies to both W twos and to business owners. But really, at the end of the day, if somebody is going to give you money, the only thing that they want to know is whether or not you can help them. And that literally goes for any profession or really any role right something so simple as like working on a construction site and I'm sorry if you're listening and you work on a construction site and you don't think that your job is simple I didn't I didn't mean it like that I just I'm just using you as an example but something like something like showing up on a construction site right like you getting that job is because they think that you can help them build whatever it is that they're building You've made them believe in yourself, in you, in what you're capable of doing. And that's why people pay you. It's the value you deliver. It's not the job itself. It's not anything else that's out there. The reason why people come to you specifically is because they think that you can help them. And I think that sometimes we get mixed up in our brain about that because if we... We have, like, all these hang-ups about our, like, what we're worth and we don't, like, let those come to the surface of our thoughts of, like, why we're holding ourselves back in the income world. We think to ourselves that, like... You know, it's somebody else's fault and somebody else has to fix this for us. And that's actually not not really true. You have to fix it for yourself. And this is something that we've talked about in a lot of episodes um, about how you really have to take ownership over your own financial situation, every aspect of it, whether it be, you know, managing your expenses or managing your cash flows or taking ownership over like your family's situation related to, you know, um insurance or estate planning, right? Like income is the same thing. You have to take ownership over what you can deliver for somebody that you think that you can help. And you have to show them that you are the best person for that job. And not only are you the best person for that job, but you're the best person for other jobs too. If you want to get promoted or move up or take on new clients or increase fees or anything else that you want to be doing in either your business or your salaried job. So I'm going to let that sink in a little bit. You have to know your value and that's how you increase your income. I know that sounds crazy, but I believe in you and you should believe in you too. And actually, we haven't had homework in a while, so why don't we do some homework (laughs) on this? What do you think you're worth, right? Have you ever sat down and thought to yourself, how much money can I actually make? I know sometimes I think about that sometimes. I'm like, what is the limit for me? What is my upward limit? And then why is that number that limit? So sometimes I think to myself, like um, in my financial planning practice, for instance, um, my minimum fee now is $10,000 and I my capacity is probably around 50 clients for how I service my clients. So my max income at that point, if everybody came in on the minimum, would be $500,000 gross. That doesn't include expenses and anything else on that, but that's where my head's at. But then I think to myself, okay, but that, you know, am I limiting myself at that number just because that's like what I, you know, I think I'm only gonna be able to take on clients at the minimum or, you know, how am I thinking about this and how am I holding myself back in that situation? And I actually see it sometimes Sometimes in some of my clients. So some of my clients are like super go-getters and they just want to keep charging, charging, charging as much as they can. And it's awesome. Um, and they really know their value and they have like a true message that they impart to other people about why they're valuable, why they can provide the service that they think that, that they're offering, why people need them and how they can help them. And they're very clear on that. And it's amazing. And then other people, you know, it's, it's not as clear um, and they struggle. And I think to myself, like, you know, I definitely want to help on that stuff. But sometimes it's like that works. Has to be done within. That's not something that somebody can do for you. So if you're one of those people who feel like you're being held back by income, and actually, I feel like most people are one of those people. <laughs> so for the most part, what happens is that even as we increase our income, right, our expenses increase because our lifestyle starts to creep up, and then we need to make more income. So a lot of the times, like actually making more income does solve a lot of problems. Although I did, I do think I mentioned in one of the other episodes, and I'm sorry if I can't remember which one, but um, happiness like, actually gets only marginally better after $70,000 in income. Um, And I think that those people don't live in New York or California. But... um, (laughs) So sometimes income's not always the problem, but other times it is, right? Other times, like, your life actually would be better if... You had more income. And it's not only because you'd be making more money and you'd be able to spend more money on random crap that you want to have around your house or whatever it is that you want to spend money on. It's actually because like you as a human being will feel more confident in your abilities. Like... Earning money is actually something that's really powerful that makes us feel really good about ourselves, that really like shows us the way. And a lot of things come in when it comes to earning more income. So one of the biggest misconceptions I always hear from clients is like, well, in order to make X dollars or X more dollars, I have to work that much harder. And I don't know if I'm able to do that or I don't know if I have the time to do that. I'm already working crazy. I already don't see my family. I already don't you know, do this, this and that. and." I think that that's a huge misconception and that's just a thought that people have. You don't actually always need to work harder to make more money, Um this is something actually that uh, Ty Lopez talks about a lot. I don't particularly love his podcast, so I'm sorry for all those fans of Ty Lopez out there. Mostly because like it's literally like a minute and a half of intros, and then he gives you like one minute of snippet conversation, whatever. Um, that's usually pretty good, actually, which is why I'm even referencing him. But and then he has like another thirty seconds of an outro, and you're like, I just listened to five minutes, and I only got like twenty seconds of content. Anyways, enough of him. But what he does say is like you want to work smarter, um, and I think it's common that people say those kinds of things that you want to work smarter but like how how do i work smarter how do i do that so i think some of your homework should be like what's my value what's the max amount of income i can make why do i think that that's the max amount that i can make what are the things that are holding me back from thinking that i can make more and what do i have to do to make more And then what are the things that I can outsource or get other, you know, outsource or, you know, find some sort of technology or software to help me to do so that I'm able to spend less time doing those things and more time doing other things in my life? Because I think a lot of the reasons why I hear people want to make more money is because they want to spend more time with their family. That's usually a huge one. And it's like, okay, well, maybe you don't actually need to make more money. Maybe you just need to spend more time with your family. (laughs) Um, But sometimes, you know, those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Um, And then another thing I hear a lot is like, well, if I had more money, then I would be able to go work on passion projects. And same thing. like I think sometimes we misconstrue having to have more income with having more time. Um, And time management is probably something that we should totally talk about in this podcast. But... Um, it's not exactly money related, but it is a good skill to have. So maybe we'll do something that ties in with money, but, but time and money are kind of like these levers that are really interesting, I think, because like there's, you know, time is, is actually fixed. As we all know, and we don't get more of it, and we can't pay for more of it, right? In some ways, we can, right? In some ways, you can pay for more of it because you can hire somebody to clean your house, or you can hire somebody to mow your lawn, or you can hire, you know, a personal assistant to take care of stuff for you, you know, like within the house. Or, like, if you're running a business, you can hire other people to do stuff for you that you otherwise would have to do, right? That's how businesses grow and that they take on more employees and everything else. So, in some ways, like, having more income buys time. But in other ways, right, time is totally fixed, and there's nothing that we can do about it, time keeps going on and on and on. Um... And I guess maybe we don't have to have a podcast about it because I'm just going to throw it in here. <laughs> um, but basically, I think some of the times we misconstrue the fact that we don't have enough time when we really do. Like, I think if we really did a time journal or something like that and we and we sat down and spent, like actually recorded all the time that we spent doing stuff, we would find that we do have many, many hours in the day to be doing the things that we want to do. We're just doing other things. Um, and we're not taking ownership for that th- those things. And we're saying that we don't have the time to do them. So so that is a problem that wouldn't necessarily be fixed by having more money, right? If you're not actually good at managing your time and you think that having more income will lead to you managing your time better, it it's not going to, right? You have to manage your time better. So I think some of the other things that we should be thinking about are some of the things that you might want to write down when you're doing your homework is like, wow, like what, what do I need this income for? How do I want to spend my time? Who do I want to do it with? What do I want to be doing? Where do I want to be doing it? You know, like all of these things are really, really important to figuring out where you want to go, what, how much money you actually even need to be making, um, and everything else that goes into it. Because I think some of the times, like we think we just need to make more and more and more and more to fix all of our problems. But our problems are not even related to our income so what else do i want to talk about related to income i think some also i wanted to talk a little bit about some negotiating strategies so um it's really different for w-2 employees versus business owners um i would say but for, like for W-2, the, the best I've really seen that people get when they negotiate is either getting a promotion and therefore getting more income related to getting that promotion. So showing their value in that way, showing how they can help the company, all the things that they can do to get that promotion. Um, that's usually a really good way to increase your income. Another way, though, is um, to just get an offer letter from a different company and threaten to leave. <laughs> and obviously, don't do it that way. Don't be like, you know, don't be a butthole about it. Um, (laughs) Do it in a nice way, but yeah, but be like, hey, look, I can make this at this company, and I really like it here and everything else, and you know, what can you do for me? So, and also you have to be, you know, when you negotiate, you have to be willing to walk away on the table, from the table, excuse me. Um, And then for business owners, it's a little bit different, right? Because um, I think one of the misconceptions that people have is that being a business owner is actually really risky. Uh, And we think that because, like, businesses can go belly up and everything else that happens with, with startups and that kind of stuff. And that is true to some extent, but I think it really depends on what business you are in and how your business is run. So a lot of like of my clients who I see who run kind of service businesses, um, that's not necessarily the case, right? So I have like one one client who runs like a really successful business and she has a bunch of different clients and they all pay her, you know, large amounts of money throughout the year. Um, it would be upsetting to her, I think, if she lost one of those clients for sure, but it wouldn't like, you know, she wouldn't. Won't go bankrupt or anything over it. Whereas, like, if you're in a W 2 job and you lose your income, now you don't have any income. And actually, that's something that happened to our family. Um, and it was hard, and then we got through it. Um, and now, like, both my husband and I run businesses, and it's really exciting. Um, but like, even when my husband lost his job, I mean, it, we lost 100% of his income. Whereas, like, when I lose a client, and thankfully, I haven't lost very many because all my clients are awesome. Um, and yeah, um, it's not as big of a deal, right? Because it's, it's not a significant portion of our income. Whereas like, if I lost all of my clients, obviously, that would be the equivalent of losing a W-2 job. So I think sometimes like just the thoughts in our head kind of keep us back from ho- from starting a business even. So like, there are definitely a lot of things that go into starting a business that are hard. Um, but once you get your business rolling, it's actually safer i think depending on what the business obviously but it's safer if you have multiple clients to keep a business running than it is actually is for you to have w-2 income so when like a business is downsizing or the economy is downsizing or something like that you're much more likely to lose a w-2 job um well that said though like in a small business as well like the economy is downturning um you'll probably have some some cash flow troubles there too so I feel like I'm really rambling on this one. (laughs) I'm wondering if it's going to be really good or not. Anyways, um, so yeah, so that's actually all my thoughts on income. I'm sure we'll do a lot more on income. I did want to have some parting notes about negotiating as a business owner. So I think a lot of the times I've seen this actually with some of the small business owners I know, especially financial planners, um, because that's the community I roll in. But I also have my clients who I speak to who are in different industries. And actually, for the most part of my financial planning practice, I work with artists, which is really nice. It's very different from like the financy types I always hang around um, when I hang around with my colleagues. But, um, but really what I see is like is value, your value propositions is, is so huge and is the number one thing that actually holds you back from even being able to negotiate well at the table. Uh, we get in our own heads. We don't think that we're worth it. We are not, we don't, um, we don't think that we can help people. And, and I think that sometimes just changing that thought um, is really helpful. I actually had an experience recently where I spoke to a prospective client, and I was so freaked out about what I thought that they needed, which I think is really interesting because they had never even said that they needed this. But we were in conversations, and I really thought, oh my gosh, they're going to need so much estate planning, and that's like beyond the scope of what I what I'm comfortable giving most of the time because like I I don't normally do this kind of estate planning, and I really got it in my head that like they needed an estate attorney for some reason. <laughs> Instead of a financial planner. And then we get on the phone. And literally, like, the guy had no... He had no estate planning needs at all. Like, none whatsoever. It was all, like, strictly financial planning. All in my wheelhouse. All everything that I knew. And I had, like, worked myself up so much before this call for literally no reason. Like, I got in my head. So, I think, like, sometimes... I, I know like maybe people listening to this think that like I'm a saint and I always do the right thing. And that's totally not true. I never, I, I mean, not never, but like I, you know, I'm just as vulnerable to these things as other people are. Um, and I think that like we really do hold ourselves back. So a lot of the time when you're negotiating your business or you're even just talking to a new client to take them on or whatever your services, you're trying to sell something like it's really yourself that's getting in the way. It's not, it's not really anything else. And you know what? Like you can't actually control the outcome of any of your sales. And that took me a really long time to accept that, like, sometimes people aren't gonna wanna work with me, and that's okay. And sometimes people are really gonna wanna work with me, and I might not wanna work with them, and that's okay too. And then other times people are really gonna wanna work with me, and they're gonna think that I can help them, and I'm really gonna wanna work with them, and I can help them. And it's like, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, and I think that, like, Sometimes when we think about that, we we don't like we don't internalize that as like what we really want from our business. We're always talking about like, oh, we have to have growth and we have to like, you know, talk to x many people per day so that we, you know, we can funnel them into our sales funnel and then close all these people and like we keep going on and on and on about all that stuff. And I think really at the end of the day, it's about like two parties coming together, one who has a solution for somebody else and the other person who's just delighted. And so excited to get that solution and can't wait to pay you for that. Like, that's like the most beautiful part about running a business and owning a business and negotiating is like sometimes you don't it's not even a sale at all. It's just like two people coming together and, you know, they live happily ever after. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this, uh, week's episode of Money Owners. Um, I will have another episode for you in two weeks. I will try not to be late on it, and I wish you all a very good two weeks. If you like the show, please write me a review on iTunes. It really, really helps. And also, let me know if you think it would be cool to have this be on YouTube where you can actually see my face and see me talking to myself, and maybe I'll, like feign an audience or something. <laughs> but yeah, I hope you've been enjoying the show. Please write a re- review on iTunes. Um, and if you want to connect and ask a question, um, we have a QA and a episode coming up in about a month from now. So I'm taking questions now. I have a little bit of a queue. But go to um, moneyowners.com forward slash ask Morgan, M-O-R-G-E-N. Or you can catch me on Twitter at Morgan with an E, Rochard, or at money underscore owners. Um, and you can ask your question there. I'll answer it here on the podcast. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Um, I hope to hear from you guys and have a good two weeks. Thanks.